today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Right now, we are pleased to welcome uh, to the program uh, the leader of the Ontario NDP Party, and of course, Hamilton MPP, Andrea Horvath. The legislature is uh, coming to an end slowly but surely, uh, not without controversy. And of course, uh, the big thing hanging on everybody's head, and the thing that's as we all look down the road, is that we're now less than a year away from the next provincial election, unless it gets called early, which the Premier says won't happen, but we'll see about that. Anyway, great to see you. We've talked on the phone thousands of times, but uh, this is the first time in a long time I've seen you face-to-face in the studio. Good to have you here today. It's absolutely my pleasure, Bill. What brings you back to your hometown? Oh, passion. <laughs> this, <laughs> you know, this is the place where I, I grew my passion for public life, and it's really great to be able to get home from time to time. The uh, the problem uh, that you have, though, that I hear from Ted McMeekin and and others that that ascend up uh, party stature, and of course uh, in the provincial politics as leader of a party, and in Ted's case, of course, as a minister, uh, is you're rarely home. I mean, you're all over the province. It's a big province. It's a big province, and in some ways, it's um you know it's a privilege to be able to meet people from all across Ontario. I mean, and you know what I find, folks are the same everywhere. I mean, they just they want a good life. They want a good life for their kids. They want to be able to succeed and get ahead, and uh, and they're pretty decent folks. But it's it's that part of it's a privilege. But certainly on the other side of the coin, I do miss um, the old whole ta- hometown. And so whenever I can, I, I get here. And sometimes it's not for formal events. Sometimes. It's actually to, you know, hang out on James Street North and, uh, you know, check out some of the new eateries and things like that. A lot going on in the town where you're away. But you, you work in the daytime, though. I mean, you must look at the phone sometimes and say, it's Tuesday. This must be Peterborough I'm in. <laughs> uh, this sort of thing. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, it happens, and it happens with all political leaders as well. Listen, let's talk about some of the issues that are going on here now. As, as we say, we're probably about 12 months away. It's going to be June of next year, of course, that we go to the polls here provincially. I don't think there's going to be an early election. There doesn't seem to be any indication like that. That was something I think that floated in the media. But but we've got some th- huge, huge things that we need to talk about here uh, to do with the economy, to do with health care, to do with a number of, of issues that I think are very important, ne- none the least of which, of course, are energy prices. Uh, the government has done a number of things over the last six months that they say to, to mitigate the impact that uh, that this has had, the, the cost of hydro, the impact that it's had. Uh, talk to us about your position, the NDP's position on this, and, and how you would address this. And, and well, I'll, I'll let you get into that because there's a couple of parameters that I wanted to discuss. But we'll sure. t- let's talk about the broader issue first. Sure. Well, I mean, first and foremost, people need to recognize that the Liberal plan is going to cost between 45 and $95 billion. And that's not me. That's the financial accountability officer. And so although it'll give people relief in the short run, which I know people need, and I get that, which is why we brought out a hydro plan before the Liberals brought theirs out, uh, which I can talk about in a second. But but the bottom line is that within four years after, after you know, this uh, this plan coming into effect, which is really now, uh, the the prices are going to go back up again. They're going to start climbing six percent a year, and with it, within a couple of years, they'll be up another fifty percent. Uh, that's not just me again. That's what the, uh, the the evidence shows. And so people, you know, I'll get a short term break, but the the rates will just you know skyrocket again after that. And that the reason why is because they haven't changed anything. In fact, they've made things worse. I mean, one of the last things that Premier Wynne did in the last week or so of the legislature was to sell off the, the final tranche of shares in Hydro One. So now it is actually controlled by the uh, board of directors and it's not a, a public entity anymore in terms of uh, us having any control. We still have just over 40% of the shares, but uh, the controlling shares yeah. are how would you else. How would you address that? Because you, well, so, you think that's wrong. You think there's yeah, an inequity absolutely. there. 
either. 80% of the people of Ontario didn't want it sold off. She had no mandate to do that. So so our plan's different in that, yes, we will. We our plan would bring between 30 and 50% or, you know, depending on if you're rural, for example, you'll have a better decrease. But we want to change the system. We want to bring Hydro One back into public hands. Uh, we want to get rid of the unsuccessful time of use, mandatory time of use pricing so that people don't get penalized for cooking dinner at dinner time, right? We want to make sure that the delivery charges, which is what will impact the rural and small town customers uh, better in terms of their pricing, uh, the rural delivery charges that are unfair right now will become the same as urban. So we'll equalize the delivery charges uh, to the lower rate though. So not equalize them to a middle higher rate, but Bring them down to the lower rate. And that sounds like a great idea, but the the justification we get from Hydro One on those delivery charges is, look, it it costs more because we have to send it more. That's simply the cost of delivering the service. If you're going to lower that price, uh, then you've got to find that money someplace else. Yeah, and we've actually, and our our plan's online, by the way. When we launched our plan a couple of months ago now, we put the entire thing online. So if people want details, they can simply go to the Because we've been there before. You you remember the Ernie Eves days when he just said, hey, I'm going to freeze hydro rates. Sure, well, this isn't freezing, though. This is actually better than freezing. No, I know, but that, that sends an arbitrary false message that everything's fine. The cost continue, but they just which got added why, yeah, onto the debt. Which is why we didn't make just a silly announcement, which is why we actually put a plan together, and the details of which you can get to on our website, but but particularly for that piece. Uh, right now, there is uh, uh, the uh, OPG is being charged rental fees for water that runs through the uh, like over the dams and, and through the uh, the um, hydroelectric you know systems that we have, the generators that we have in hydroelectric. So we're going to take that rental money, and instead of OPG sending it to the government, we're going to send it, you know, we're going to use that to equalize the, the delivery charges. And so everything is costed out, including the buyback of Hydro One. And one of the things that we were clear about in our plan, which again is online, is that if we're going to buy back Hydro One, we're going to have to do that with the dividends. So we're not going to dip into the tax base. We're going to do it with what's left of our portion of the dividends. Uh, and that's going to take some time. So depending on what the share price is uh, when we form government, that will determine how much time it takes us to be able to buy back Hydro One. When we wrote the plan, there were there was only two tranches. 30% was sold off. Uh, and w- when we wrote it, it was we projected 80, sorry, um, 8 Eight years, like so, two terms it would take us to, to buy it back, uh, and so and so and, and this is a very feasible, uh, doable plan. The other thing we have to remember is we overgenerate in in this province. We generate more electricity than we need. There are a number of private contracts that are coming due uh, shortly after the elections are going to be complete next year, and and we're going to. We're going to look at those. Do we need that energy or don't we? If we don't need that energy, we're not necessarily going to resign on those contracts. The other thing on contracts, though, is we're going to go through all those contracts that the Liberals and Conservatives have signed with private companies because, let's face it, on our hydro bills, we pay for our electricity, but we also pay for the profits of private and foreign companies. And that has been what's been pushing our rates up over the last couple of decades. Since Mike Harris and Ernie Eves started privatizing and selling off the generation side of our electricity, deregulation and privatization started with the Conservatives. Um, it, it has just continued to, to to go like wildfire, and our bills continue to climb. Okay, let me ask you about, about those contracts and about future. And I, I don't think there's any disagreement in most circles, anyway, yeah, we do overproduce here. We, we're pr- producing way too much energy, and we're selling it off dirt cheap. We we get that. I think that's part of the, the problem and the conundrum. But many of those initiatives and those future uh, projects that you've talked about 
are green energy projects, and the NDP strongly supports green energy projects. Can you can you kibosh those at, at the risk of maintaining some of the, the existing infrastructure? Because if we don't have that, then we're right back where we were 20 years ago with old aging infrastructure, 19th century technology. Sure. How well, do you get that reinvestment? Well, no, I, I believe we can actually continue to be committed to green energy, to renewables on our grid, uh, but it doesn't have to cost us uh, what it's cost us thus far. Having said that, look, the Liberals made a decision around the implementation of the Green Energy Act. The Conservatives like to pretend uh, that it was all that the the whole problem is the Green Energy Act. It's not the act. It's not the legislation. It's the implementation. They decided to bring re- renewables onto our grid. They were going to privatize everything. So it's all again, and all of that green energy is private contracts. You know, I mean, you're right on the money in terms of it being private contracts. But let's not forget, there are a heck of a lot of private contracts that we've signed over the decades before green energy even even existed. Think about the gas plants. I mean, there's a reason why that cost us over a billion dollars. If those gas plants were public, if they were OPG gas plants, we wouldn't have had to pay a dime to not build them or to shut down the construction of them, right? Because it would have been all public. It would have been all internal. But because they're private contracts, we had to pay through the nose. So just one last thing on the contracts. I'm not naive. The last election, I was the only person that said I wouldn't. I wouldn't tear up those contracts until I saw what the financial implications were for people. So we are actually going to go through all of the contracts that the Liberals and Conservatives have signed. And if there are contracts that we we know through our, our through an analysis are... Uh, better financially, gives a, give us a better position financially to scrap them, even if they have fees and penalties and all of that. But doing an analysis, if financially it's smarter to scrap those contracts, then we'll scrap them. And we'll pay the fees and penalties because it'll be cheaper than staying in the contract. But uh, you're certainly not going to willy-nilly just tear everything up because that's irresponsible. Right, let, me ask you, let me ask you about governing then and, and doing that. And, and, and in the last 20-odd years, I guess, no, 30 or 40 years, I, the, everybody's had a kick of the can. I mean, the NDP were there in the early 90s, and then we had the Conservatives for a while, and we've had the Liberals for the, the last little while. So, and, and the, there's are some similarities, and there's some common threads through the whole thing. And, and I agree with what you said, that an awful lot of the programs that have been vilified in the media and by the public uh, are, are, are done so unjustifiably. Uh, yeah, e-health is a good program. Uh, the Orange Air Ambulance Program is a good program. Uh, green Energy is a good program, but it's the way that they're implemented. It's the that implementation, and, right? And, on but the Andrea, money. everybody who's been in government comes there and promises, we're going to clean it up. We're not going to allow this to happen. But it does. It continues. It well, uh, doesn't but, matter who's sitting but, in but the corner office at Queen's those. Park. Let's, let's take two of those particularly. So Green Energy and, um, and Air Ambulance, Orange Air Ambulance. In both of those cases, the government implemented with the interests of the private sector as as the primary motivation, as opposed to the uh, being the public interest, and so e e health or not e health, uh, orange air ambulance. I mean, let's face it, that was a, that was somebody building a fiefdom with with private interests, and the government kept ignoring our calls to do some investigations. Well, the question into that. we ask is, where's the oversight? Where, well, how exactly. can you provide that oversight? Well, and, and so and this is and and they don't, and that's the problem. And then when the opposition parties try to force them to, they ignore, 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 ignore. Until the last minute, but but look, the the problem isn't these programs. The problem is where's the value base behind them? Like if your values are that you will believe in public services and you believe in the delivery of public services through the public, particularly when it comes to things like healthcare and energy and education. I mean things that 
people should be able to expect to get from their government and that people, I think, want to see delivered in a public way. But when you're when you don't have that basic fundamental value, then when those folks come knocking at the door in the private sector that want to make some money off of health care, that want to make some money off of green energy, that want to make some money, you know, off of education and, and you don't have the value system that says, no, that's not the way that we think that's not our vision. That's not the way that we think it should be running in the province of Ontario. Then, of course, those folks are your friends. They come to your dinner parties. They come to you. They do come to your fundraisers. Sometimes by paying 10,000 bucks, they come to your fundraisers. That's where the problem lies. There's no fundamental values that the Liberals have on these issues. And the Premier selling off Hydro One is an absolute indicator of that. Um, let me ask you about it. I got to ask you about this piece that was in the Toronto Star yesterday. You're familiar with Bob Hepburn, of course, and uh, who's covered provincial politics for quite some time. Uh, the title was Horvath Faces the Best and Worst of Times. Uh, NDP leader rates higher than Wynne or Brown, but the party continues to trail in the polls. You're the veteran leader in the in the province right now. Uh, you know, you're, uh, of course, Kathleen Wynne and, and Patrick Brown uh, serve less time as leaders of their parties than you have with yours. Uh, you've gone through a number of elections. Uh, time and time again, Andrea, uh, when they say who's the most popular leader in the province, Andrea Horvath beats the NDP le- or the uh, Liberal leader and the Conservative leader, but it doesn't translate into victory come election time. Well, uh, watch us this time, Bill, is all I can say. Watch us this I, time. Well, I could, and I, I know you told me that after the before the last election, too, and it, it just doesn't translate. Uh, you've been accused of moving the party too far to the middle. Uh, by some of your supporters, you've been accused of moving the party too far to the left by some of your supporters. Uh, and and is there is there discontent in the party? Is that what's going on here? Because it it doesn't seem as if you guys are on the same song sheet, and it doesn't seem to translate into votes in in very key areas. Once the people in this province are actually. Uh, voting on things. I sure. mean, the same thing happened, of course, federally years ago. Ed Broadman was the always the, the the favorite leader over Trudeau and Bob Stanfield or anybody else. Always finished third. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just a couple of things. I mean, I think first and foremost, you you need to know I had a convention recently and I had eighty nine percent approval rating from my um, my party, and so there's no problems with the party. Everything's going very very well. But look, next election in two thousand and eighteen, people are looking for change, I believe. People are, are looking to see some change. And what they need to think about is what kind of change that they're, are they looking for. Do they want more cuts and more privatization? Because that's what the Conservatives bring. I mean, Patrick Brown, nobody knows him. He's trying you know, to, to hide from people. Uh, he's not showing any leadership whatever, as whatsoever. Leadership is, is telling people what you believe and then actually doing it. It's actually having a vision and then implementing it. That's why we've been bringing out a number of our, of our ideas whether it's pharmacare, whether it's hydro, whether it's $15 minimum wage, which we did a year ago, whether it's helping uh, municipal governments with uh, with the housing stock, a one-third, one-third, one-third partnership. I mean, the list is long in terms of the commitments we made. Uh, funding of hospitals, we've made commitments around that because people need to know where the leaders uh, and where the parties stand. Now, what does Patrick Brown do? He tries to hide what his agenda is, uh, and he's been doing that successfully for the last couple of months. But this is the last thing people need. Uh, we don't need more cuts. We don't need privatization. This is what conservatives stand for. It's what they always do. So if if folks are tired of the liberals uh, and they want a, a government that has some integrity, uh, that's got a vision, uh, that uh, is pretty straight up about where we want to go, uh, then they need to, to think seriously about the NDP. And look... It's happened in other provinces very recently. I mean, the NDP is poised to take power in B.C. with the help of a couple of Green uh, members, right? Uh, Alberta has gone NDP. Uh, when people 
are looking for change, they need to think very, very seriously. They just got rid of the Harper government a couple years ago federally. Do they want a Harper backbencher now, the premier of the province of Ontario? I don't think so. Well, we'll find out uh, in June, obviously. There's an awful lot of work by all three uh, party leaders, obviously, between then and now to get things done. Uh, And we'll have a lot more opportunity to talk about some of these issues. But I'm glad you had some time to pop in here today and talk about this. It's good to see you again. Good to see you, too. It's my pleasure, Bill. Andrea Horvath, of course, MPP for uh, still Hamilton Centre, isn't it? Hamilton Centre, Okay, Uh, that that one's not changing in this election. No, uh, I just, mean, the boundaries are changing a little bit. Yeah. So right now I represent the West Mountain as well as yeah, the downtown that'll change. area. Yeah, so that, With that the, the, the new riding that's going to be developed. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. We'll get into that a little bit later on. Thanks again, Andrea. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.